you, Lord. So, amen. Open your Bible up to 2 Corinthians 4.13. This morning we're going to talk specifically about faith, but we're also going to talk specifically about faith for finances. Faith for finances this morning. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, and Mark 11.23, two verses on the subject of faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, We having the same spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith. Notice what he calls here the spirit of faith. He says we have the same. When he says we have the same, uh, he's really quoting from the Old Testament. And he's quoting from the psalmist David. He says we have the same spirit of faith according as written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. He said we also believe and therefore speak. Now you can see very simply here that the spirit of faith has two main ingredients. Number one, I believe. And number two, I speak. You know, even the devil don't care what you believe if you'll be quiet about it. That's right. But for faith to work, you can't just be a believer. You're going to have to be a speaker. So that means you're going to have to keep your speaker connected to your believer. And if you're not careful, sometimes your speaker gets connected to your circumstances and your feelings and your kinfolk's opinion. But if you want your faith to work, you got to keep your speaker connected to your believer. He said, and this is what he calls the same spirit of faith. And when he calls it the same, he's quoting from, <laughs> he's quoting from the psalmist David. And the psalmist David literally said that. He said, I believe and therefore have I spoken. And he said, in a time of great affliction and adversity, David said, I believe and therefore I speak. I believe, so believing would primarily be an attitude of faith. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. My daddy used to say, you can get anywhere in the world from where you are right now. Amen. What does that mean? Well, we were raised in a little town in Texas, South Texas, a little town of 3,000 people in town. And so they said our town was so small, they put a mirror at the end of the town, make it look bigger. But uh, <laughs> our town was so small. It had one traffic light in town. It had two restaurants, and whichever one you ate at, you wish you had eaten at the other one. So, there's a small town, and they said it's so small, we had a beauty contest, and nobody won. So, that's a little town. So, I was raised in a little town in Texas. It's so little, I actually, when I was a kid, rode my horse around town and delivered papers when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. So, it's a little town in Texas, but there's only one traffic light in town. One traffic light in town. And my daddy used to preach. My daddy pastored there almost 50 years, 50 years in a town of 3,000. And my daddy's church grew from about 20 people to over 2,000 people in a town of only 3,000. So it became a great church, great influence in that whole area. And so when my daddy would preach, he had what I'd call a spirit of faith. I mean, you can't really explain it, but he just believed with God all things are possible. And you believe all things are possible to the believer. So he just kept his switch of faith turned on. And when he would preach, he would kind of preach and point out, you know, while he's preaching because one traffic light down, he'd preach and say, you can get anywhere in the world from that traffic light right there. Well, I can testify, I actually have been everywhere in the world from that one traffic light right there. <laughs> in other words, if you're not careful, come, sometimes when you're raised in a small town, you kind of get small town thinking. And you're raised around small thinkers, small talkers, then it begins to affect your world. In the middle of that little place, my daddy kept us thinking big, believing big, and talking big. Amen. 
And that's what Paul calls the same spirit of faith. And he's really quoting from, <laughs> he's really quoting from the psalmist David. And when David said, I believed and therefore have I spoken, then you'd have to say, David, one thing David had was he had a spirit of faith. He had a spirit of faith. I mean, you kill a lion just with your hands, kill a bear. I've been bear hunting. Come on. And you don't want to see one without a gun. So you kill a lion, you kill a bear. <laughs> Amen. You run at Goliath talking trash to him, running at him. Man, and then he killed 10,000 Philistines. David had what you call a spirit of faith. But to show you this, the spirit of faith affects every facet of your life, not just your church life. It affects the way you think and you act and the way you talk at home, the way you talk about your job, the way you talk about your husband, your wife, your kids. It affects every facet of your life. And so he says, we have it. And if you have it, it's not wrong to know you got it. And it wouldn't be arrogant to say you had it if you, if you knew you had it. I've got a preacher friend in Nashville, Tennessee named Charles Cowan, and he's kind of a country preacher. And uh, uh, he went to hear Brother Kenneth Copeland preach one time back when Brother Copeland was just starting. And he went to hear Brother Copeland, and uh, he had been raised in Spirit-filled Pentecostal church, you know, all of his life. And Brother Copeland started preaching, and boy, he was talking about who you are in Christ and great boldness. And Charles Cowan said, he sat there, and he said, the longer Brother Copeland preached, he said, just the matter he got. He thought that little guy up there is the most arrogant, cocky, smart aleck man I've ever heard in my life, and I'm not going to sit here and listen to that. So he said he's going to get up and leave, and he said, and the Lord said to him, you better sit still and pay attention because I will teach you something from that man. So he said, I'm so glad I sat there and listened. He said, because I found out what Brother Copeland had. Well, I saw Brother Copeland not too long after that, and I said, you know, I've got a friend named Pastor Charles Cowan from Nashville, Tennessee, and first time he heard you preach, he said, you was arrogant, smart, and cocky. <laughs> Charles said, did you have to tell him? I said, yeah, I told him. I told him, but before I could finish the story, Brother Copeland said, well, that's just because he never heard anybody with a spirit of faith. Did you know you can be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and still have a victim mentality? Come on, still have a mentality of lack and struggling all the time. But once you catch a spirit of faith, David said that spirit of faith is more than just a formula. It literally is a fire. Psalms 18, he said, the Lord will light my candle. When he lights my candle, I can run through the troop. I can jump over the wall and I can chase my enemies down and destroy them. In other words, the spirit of faith is more than just a formula and more than just steps. It literally is a fire that burns on the inside of you. And once your candle is lit, you can run through the troop and get over the wall. Now, until your candle gets lit, pretty much you go to church. I call it the first flat-faced assembly. You ever been to the flat-faced church? That's the people that you can look at them until they ran at the wall and hit it. And so they, they ain't even interested in running at it no more. So you're not going to get over that wall until you let the Lord light your candle with his word and his spirit. And then the things that have limited your life. How many believe God can take you beyond the things that have limited your life? He said, then you can run through that troop. You can get over that wall. I mean, like to get over that or break that barrier to take you into new territory. 
<laughs> Amen. Somebody said, if you're not the lead dog, the scenery never changes. So that means if you want to see some new territory, I'm not explaining that to you after church, but if you want to see some new, new scenery, some new territory, how many believe God is able to take you beyond where you've ever been before? In other words, the next 12 months, come on, you can go places you've never been before, receive things you've never received before. God can use you in ways you've never been used before, but all of it begins with a spirit of faith. Everybody say a spirit of faith. So Paul said, that's what we have. He said, I got it. Amen. I got it. And how did Paul endure such adversity? And how did he go into, into different nations and actually cause the gospel to be preached under such tremendous adversity? Paul said, here's what we have. We have, we got it, the same identical spirit of faith. Same thing that David had. David had a spirit of faith. Did that make him perfect? No, it really didn't make him perfect. Actually, it's well documented his own mistakes <laughs> in the Bible. So um, I was reading Hebrews chapter 11 one time, Hebrews 11, and Hebrews chapter 11, 20 times it says, by faith, 20 times. Just one chapter, the Holy Spirit chose to mention those two words 20 times. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. Come on, by faith, David. By faith, come on, he goes on, Moses. By faith. Everybody say, by faith. faith. 20 times the Holy Spirit said what? All right, let's go over. By faith, 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 by faith. Come on, even if you're a slow learner, you'll get this. By faith. And he added one through faith, through faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So if you're saying, God, how in the world am I ever going to, he's going to say, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. How am I going to do your will? By faith, by faith, by faith. How am I going to receive your best? By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So you're just going to have to figure out this faith stuff. (laughs) Amen. And it's a process of learning how faith works. Amen. And learning how to grow in faith and how to be strong in faith. But it takes faith not just to receive God's best blessings. It takes faith to do the will of God for your life. Amen. Amen. To follow God's plan for your life will require you and I to have the same spirit of faith. Aha. Now, here's the way Dad Hagen said it for years, and I learned so much about faith from Kenneth E. Hagen, from Dad Hagen, and my own dad, of course. But I learned about faith, and here's what Dad Hagen said. He said, believing and speaking opens the door to the supernatural. Believing and speaking opens the door to the supernatural. That means if you get tired of natural results and you want some supernatural results, there's going to have to be what? Believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. Believing and speaking opens the door to the supernatural. Then again, here's the way Dad Hagen said it. Many people are looking for the spectacular and they miss the supernatural. They're looking for the spectacular and they miss the supernatural. In other words, living by faith, maintaining a spirit of faith, maintaining an attitude of faith, and then keeping that faith in your voice. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I believe. I speak. Now let's take this one step further. The spirit of faith actually affects every facet of your life. In this area, 
my favorite chapter, probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is in 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29 is the story about David receiving an offering when it came to the work of God in the house of God. When David received that offering, he said it this way in 1 Chronicles 29. He said, I set my affection on the house of God. He said, I have of my own proper good. I prepared with all of my might. Let's try that again. David said, I prepared with all of my might. I love that phrase because when it said that David danced before the Lord, it said he danced with all of his might. Come on, when it came time to praise, he did it with all of his might. So if you're going to hang out with a man with the spirit of faith, he's not somebody that's casual all the time. All right, let's try this out. He's not somebody that's kind of like, well, whatever, whatever. In other words, all of his might means if you're praising next to him, come on, you can tell this guy is worshiping God. When it came time to give, though, he said, I prepared with all of my might. (laughs) And then he said it this way. He said, I have of my own proper good. He said, I have prepared over and above my own proper good. He said, this is my own personal money. Over and above means I'm not going to do the minimum here. I'm fixing it to blow things out right now. Over and above, and David told how much he gave. Well, probably 30 years ago, I studied that chapter. And David's offering those, that many years ago was approximately one and a half billion dollars. One and a half billion (laughs) dollars. He said, this is for the work of God. I'm giving one and a half billion dollars. He turned to his mighty men and said, what y'all going to do? And they went, oh, no. David had 400 mighty men. And these mighty men began to give. And their giving was two and a half billion dollars. Remember, these are the same men that came to David distressed, discontent, and in debt. And when they got to the cave of Adullam with David, David's covenant with God, his confidence in God, his fellowship with God literally took them out of debt and they gave two and a half billion dollars. They must have caught the same spirit of faith. Let's try that again. I said they must have caught something because they sure got out of debt. How many believe God could get you out of debt so fast, make your head spin? Hallelujah. And then I'm talking about God doing some things in your life. And David just taught them the spirit of faith, and these became his mighty men. Amazing, isn't it? And so when they came to giving, the spirit of faith was not just for their praise and worship. All right, let's try that again. Amen. Because we have a song in America. I don't know if you have it here in Australia, but it's like, I want to sing like David sang. Y'all like that song? Then it goes on and says, I want to dance like David danced. Oh, everybody like, oh, I like that. But they have not put a verse in there that said, I want to give like David gave. People say that gets real expensive. So in other words, a lot of people like to sing. And a lot of people like to jump around. But when it came time to giving, David's spirit of faith literally had affected the whole earth. It affected his finances. Did you know the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? All right, let's try that again. I said the earth. Don't belong to Donald Trump. I don't belong to Bill Gates. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness, that means all the gold, all the silver, all the money. 
And sometimes Christians, we've had an attitude that we can just do without, but God wants us to move right back into his original plan. He told Adam, I give you dominion over everything in this world. He said, I gave it to you. In other words, it belongs to the Lord, but you and I are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In other words, unless you change your attitude or you're thinking about it, then you'll be stuck with natural results. But if you want some supernatural results, I said, if you want some supernatural results, go ahead and smile. I said, if you would like to have some supernatural results, come on, I'd like to see you show up at church with some supernatural results and some mountains have just moved. Amen. And some money has just come and my business has just gotten blessed and the goodness of God. Woo. Amen. One of my best friends, pastor, is not a pastor, actually Jesse Duplantis is an evangelist, and he's from Louisiana. So he said when he was a, a first started preaching, he was driving a Toyota, an old Toyota. He had went to preach for somebody, and they didn't give him no offering hardly. They gave him, you know, a Dr. Pepper, you know, a Coke or something. So he said he's trying to put some gas in his car, and uh, his car's worn out. He said while he's trying to put gas in his car, he saw a jet fly over. He said, and the Lord spoke to him and said, Jesse, I'm going to get you a jet. He said, Lord, what you talking about? I can't even put gas in my Toyota. And you're telling me you want to give me a jet. He said, Lord, I cannot afford a jet. And the Lord worked on his thinking. He said, the Lord said to him, I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to believe for it. Because if you can believe for it, I can pay for it. Let's try that again. In other words, we're all thinking that we're the ones going to have to do it rather than we're the ones that's going to have to believe for it and receive it and watch what God will do. Go ahead and laugh just for a minute. Say, ha, ha, ha. So in this area of the spirit of faith, how it affected the finances. Now you can see this in the Psalmist David where the Lord brought him from and his generosity in giving. He called it over and above giving. Amen. Then you can look at this spirit of faith in someone like Abraham. If you go to Genesis chapter 12, when he talks about Abraham, God told Abraham, what did he say? I'm going to bless you. Let's try that again. God told Abraham, come on, this is the father of faith here. You walk in the same identical steps. Come on, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. All right, let's try that again. God told Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you. He said, I'm going to bless you. And then he said, and I'm going to make you. In other words, things about your life that you feel like you're missing. God said, I'm going to make you while I'm blessing you. I'm going to supply the things that you need to change your life. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you. And then he said, and I'm going to show you. He said, look up at the sky. He had to increase his vision, didn't he? Amen. And then he said, and I'm going to make you a blessing. And it says, and Abraham believed God. Let's just try this out over here. And Abraham did what? Abraham did what? He just believed God. Isn't that a crazy thing? Just believe God. It's come to that. Just believe God. That Abraham believed God. And it says, I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, there's no telling where the blessing will end when somebody believes God. All right, let's try this out over here. 
There's no telling where the blessing will end when somebody believes God. He said, because I'm going to make you a blessing and every nation, come on, every language are going to be affected by your faith. And when Abraham believed God, whoo, what a radical change it was in his life when he dared to believe God. I believe God. I have faith in God. I have faith in the word of God. And the scripture says that Christ has redeemed us with his blood. Whoo, how many like to develop an attitude about this this morning? So I'm getting an attitude right now. I'm tired of the devil trying to control money and control land and control property. Come on. Amen. In other words, I believe God, the blessing of the Lord and the goodness of God that Abraham, and it says in Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, that Abraham was very rich. Thank you for those two nods. Abraham was very, very rich. Very. Woo. Come on. And Abraham's blessing belongs to every believer. Amen. The blessing of the Lord, literally, and that same blessing that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law so that we'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out, that we'll be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in the city, blessed in the country. Come on, blessed in your family, blessed in your body, blessed in your business, blessed in your job, blessed in your finances. Come on, the blessing of the Lord. That blessing is connected to your faith. To your faith, I believe and I speak. Now jump to Mark eleven twenty three real quickly here because we're talking about the same spirit of faith. David had it. Abraham had it. The apostle Paul had it. And you and I have the same spirit of faith. Amen. We got the same spirit of faith. And someone said there's three kinds of people. There's pioneers, settlers, and museum keepers. All right. Pioneers. Settlers and museum keepers. What is a spirit of faith? A spirit of faith literally is a pioneer spirit, someone who is pressing for new territory. The apostle Paul said, I'm constantly pressing for new territory. That's a spirit of faith. Pioneers and a settler. What is a settler? A settler is someone who's really just looking for their comfort zone. Did you know the spirit of faith will move you out of your comfort zone? Amen. And the, the, the settlers just want to find a place where they can live, you know, and just stay right there. And then the museum keepers are people who constantly just dust off the memories of the past. But the spirit of faith means what? You believe your best days are still ahead of you. Let's try that again. I said, you believe your best days are still ahead of you. Come on, even at 80 years old, Joshua and Caleb said, come on, 80 years old. They had a spirit of faith. How old? 80 years old. Give us this mountain. Come on, some of us are looking for a rocking chair at 60. So I want you to see the spirit of faith doesn't have a particular age because David had it at 17 and Joshua and Caleb had it at 80 years old. Your best days are still ahead of you. Now, he said the spirit of faith actually exercises authority. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Here's what Jesus said about faith. And I want to get to this as quick as I can. Mark eleven twenty-three. 23. 
Here's what Jesus said. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said what? Have faith in God. Aren't you glad he didn't say government? <laughs> Have faith in God. Now, when I grew up, my daddy said, there is a God and I'm not him. You know what that meant? That meant he's not going to be sending me no money. So, <laughs> and he didn't. So, he said, you better meet God. You better get to know God. <laughs> Have faith in who? God. Verse 23. Jesus said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall what? Say. say. First thing Jesus said about faith is what? Say. say. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he what? Saith. Shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So he mentions saying how many times? Three times. And believing how many times? One. In other words, here's the way Dad Hagen said it. He said, if you're in a fight of faith, you can literally school yourself into faith with your own words. All right, all right. Come on now. Praise the Lord. Now, I can keep going with this material, but I don't want to leave nobody at the last traffic light. <laughs> How many of you ever had people following you like, come on. <laughs> Look at somebody and say, come on. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. The saying part is three times, simply meaning, he said, you can school yourself into faith with your own words. Now, let me show you how I learned from him. Because my dad was a pastor. And their pastoring in a little town struggled financially until he heard some of the stuff that you're hearing right now. Well, because he didn't just have to believe God for personal money. He had to believe God for money for the ministry, for the church, for missionaries in Africa. Come on. I tell people I already got enough money to stay home. But if you're going to go to Vietnam and gather 500 pastors, and pay their way, and give them $50,000 worth of books, you better have some money. Even missionaries are not glad to see you if you show up broke. So, <laughs> when it comes to faith for finances, here's the way I learned it from Dad Hagen. He said it this way. He said it's revolutionary in his life and in my life. He said, as a preacher starting off teaching on faith, he was three months behind on his car, three months behind on his rent, and no, not enough food to feed his kids, and he's out preaching the gospel, preaching healing and the blessing of the Lord, three months behind. And so he said he started praying, and he said, God, God, we need some money. I need some money. You know, people say, well, Lord, I'm just asking you for guidance. No, I don't need no guidance. I need some money. I know there's things more important than money, but if you don't have none, you can't think of the other stuff. You're like, I need some money. <laughs> I know you're real spiritual about this, but listen. <laughs> Did you know literally, if you'll study it, that there's 500 scriptures on faith, 500 scriptures on prayer, and 2,000 scriptures on money? Literally, not 2,000, 2,336, something like that. Scripture is just about money. In other words, God talks to us four times more about money than he does about prayer. Thank you for your enthusiasm, you <laughs> yeah. 
So if we don't ever preach about money, we're basically saying, God don't want to tell you nothing about it. No, God's got a lot to say about money and the relationship that you and I have to the earth and its resources and finances. So in this area, he was crying out, God, I need some money. And the Lord said, the money you need is not up here. He said, I'm not going to rain down money from heaven. I'm not a counterfeiter. He said, the money you need is already in the earth. So he said, don't ever pray about money like that again. He said, here's what you have to do about money. Number one, he said, you have to be willing and obedient if you're going to eat the good of the land. He said, Lord, I am obedient. He said, yeah, but you're not willing. It didn't take him long to make that adjustment. <laughs> he said, then next the Lord said to him, don't ever pray about money like that. Use your authority and say. Now, here's what he said. Say. And here's what he said. I claim. And then he said, say how much you claim. I claim, and a certain amount there, start off at the bottom. Don't start at the top. Start off at the bottom. Trent and I started off when we started traveling years ago. I claimed $300 a week, and that, was a, it, we, that would have been a miracle. I preached for churches where the guy said, how much is your budget? I said, don't worry about it. He said, no, I want to know. So I, I said, well, it's, you know, $300 a week. He said, he said, the best preachers, even Jesus himself could preach here and not get more than $150. I said, don't worry about it. I'll use my faith. Just don't drag your feet. The money will come. So I learned from Dad Hagen. I used my authority as a believer. So I claimed that $300. And over the years, it would grow. But here's what he said. It. Are y'all listening? I claim. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is because you can know this and still not do it. I claim. And then you say, here's the way he said the Lord told him, say, Satan, I command you to take your hands off my money. I thought, that's very interesting. Satan, I command you to take your hands off my money. Then say, go ministering spirits, angels, and cause the money to come. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Well, I started out at $300. I said, we claim. Then we went up, you know, to $1,000, went up to $10,000, went up to $20,000 a week, $30,000, dollars $70,000 a week. And so we've seen that Satan literally has to take his hands off of your money. And angels will literally go on assignment when you exercise your authority. They literally will respond to your words. For the earth is the Lord's. Let's try that again. I said, the earth is the Lord's. I said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness. That means the wealth does not belong to the devil or the devil's kids. The earth is the Lord. So when you begin to exercise your authority as a believer, then he said this, the Lord told him, never talk lack. Never talk lack. He said, because if you talk lack, it'll actually keep money from coming to you. Don't talk lack. Hmm. That means sometimes you whine about money. You say, boy, I wish I had more money. Oh, houses are so expensive. Cars are so expensive. You know what you're doing? You're basically saying that's bigger than God. But if you say, I'm not whining about money. I'm not talking about lack. And then he said, say this, the Lord is my shepherd. All right, let's try this again. Y'all ready for Psalm 23? It's, it's, it's not just good for funerals. 
Y'all ready for Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. Y'all got Psalm 23? Put it on the board here. We're going to say it together. Amen. Psalm 23. Are you ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go back to Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Other translation says, I shall not lack. So here's the way Dad Higgins told us. He said, do not talk lack. Always say, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not lack. I do not lack for ability. I do not lack for opportunity. And I never lack for money. I never lack for money. All right, let's try that again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I do not lack for ability. I do not lack for opportunity. And I never lack for money. I never lack for money. He said, just always say, the money will come. The money will come. I said, the money will come. Matter of fact, while I'm saying it here, something's happening back in my house. Come on, while you're saying it here, something's happening in your future. The money will come. Satan, take your hands off my money. In other words, that the authority that you have as a believer, that authority operates through your words. Let's try that again. It's that it operates through your words. Here's the way the Lord said it to me. He said, you need to hear your pastor's voice, but your mountain needs to hear your voice. In other words, the authority you have, you must lift up your voice in your house. Come on, in your family, concerning your finances, the power that you have redeemed by the blood of Jesus, that he says, you're blessed coming in. Your children are blessed. Come on, your grandchildren are blessed. Your job is blessed. God said, I'm going to bless you. I like to say, God will bless you so much, he'll use you as advertisement of how well he treats his kids. Hallelujah. The blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, he gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, I like to say it this way, concerning receiving it, the Lord said in the teaching ministry of Jesus, he was never working on the giving part of God. He was always working on the receiving part of man because you never have to talk God into giving, but you will have to teach some people how to receive. There's no limit to his given except his creature's capacity to receive. So many times we shut things off at our level of receiving. And then we blame God and say, that's as far as God has taken me. That's not as far as God wants to take you. All right, I said, let's try I said, that's not as far as God wants to take you. If you'll dare to believe and speak, it'll open the door to the supernatural. Number one, the spirit of faith must be in your attitude and in your saying. Number two, it must be in your sowing or in your generosity or in your giving. Mm. Wow. 
In other words, the tithe, praise the Lord, the offering, the sowing that Paul says, see that you abound in this grace. What's he talking about? He says, when you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Think about that. Notice he doesn't even mention taxes. People all back there going, well, now, if I had a tax refund, no, he's not even mentioning taxes. Come on, he's, he's talking about God's kingdom here. He's not talking about Australia, America, nowhere else. He's talking about the results you and I can get when he so generously, he said, we will reap generously. He said, and God loves a cheerful, hilarious, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Why does God love that? Because he's the biggest giver. He's the most generous giver. He says, and when you and I get into that area of over and above generosity, whoo, I've studied some of the, some of the most, some of the richest men in America. And I wrote down, I got a whole list of these guys here, that businessmen, that they were all tithers. Then after they became tithers, Rockefeller said after he became a tither, he said, I gave a 10th to God. Then I gave, then I gave 20%. Then I gave 30%. Then I gave 40%. Then I gave 50% to God. Rockefeller, richest man in America at one time. Think about this, a guy by the name of R.G. Letourneau. He actually made these big tractors. And R.G. Letourneau in East Texas has his own university there. And he went into business. And he went into business and he said, God, I'm going to tithe and I'm going to give. And so when he went into business, he started having some financial trouble. So he said, I stopped tithing first and I started waiting to see what kind of money is coming in before I gave. He said, the Lord said, no, you take care of your tithing and your giving first. He said, when I changed that and started giving to God first, he said, things turned around in my whole business, built these giant earth moving machines and R.G. Letourneau, he gave 10%. Then he started giving 20%. Then he gave 30%. Then he gave 40%. And then he gave 90% to God and to the work of God and lived on 10%. I'd rather have 10% of a hundred million than 90% of 30,000. What would happen if you and I had a spirit of faith in this area where we could trust God and act on the word of God and believe and speak and watch what happens in your business, in your job, and in your finances when you have faith for finances? Literally, it will change your world. Ha, ha, ha. And Jesus said it'll work for whosoever. And he said, it'll work on whatsoever. I must add, it'll work wheresoever. I said, it'll work for whosoever. It'll work on whatsoever. And when you, when you and I begin to live by faith, walk by faith, and grow in faith, and act on the Word of God, whew, you might start singing like David sang, dancing, but you'll start giving like David gave. Hallelujah. Watch everything in this world responds to the authority of the believer. With a spirit of faith, you can go places, receive things you've never received before if you'll dare to believe God. When you believe God in this area, amen? In other words, not just in the area of your healing, not just in the area of your salvation, but in the area of your finances. Get those scriptures out. I said, get those scriptures out. Come on, get those scriptures out, 2,000 of them. I've, I've got a whole notebook, and it's got a list of them, and I went over and over those scriptures again and again that the promises of God would work for me.
You say, why did you do that? Because my daddy didn't have no money. He wasn't going to give me no money. I started looking at my family to see if somebody in my family was rich. They'd die and leave me some money. <laughs> Come on, people start scheming. People say, oh, maybe I'm going to win the lottery. I just read in the paper a guy that won, what was it, $27 million. And in five years, he died penniless. Won the lottery. You think that 27 million is going to cure it? No, no. You have to constantly change your thinking and see what Christ has done for you. It's not winning the lottery. I look at my family. Who's going to die and leave me some money? Had one aunt that was rich, but she was so healthy. How in the long, how, how, how long is she going to live? She's still smiling, got her teeth, got a tan and all that. By the time she dies, you won't even want a motorboat. I'm just telling you, you're looking for somebody Come on, you're scheming how it's going to happen. The Lord said to me, just because you know how faith works does not mean you know how God's going to do your miracle. So he said, quit trying to figure out how. And then he said this to me. He said, someone extremely rich has already died and left you everything. And then they rose from the dead to make sure you got it. I went, whoo, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. In other words, it changes your attitude, changes your thinking, changes your talking, and it changes your tithing and your sowing, and watch what God will do. woo Glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. Stand up on your feet. Praise the Lord. I was looking at the clock. Apparently, that didn't do much good. I went over time anyhow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Everybody say, the blessing of the Lord, because of the blood of Jesus, I am blessed. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I am the head, and I'm not the tail. I am a tither. I am a giver. And there is a harvest, and the money will come. God is able to make all grace, all grace abound to me. My job is blessed. My family is blessed. My finances are blessed. I will give more than I've ever given. I have a spirit of faith. The money will come. The money will come. I will give more than I've ever given. And I will still have more than I've ever had. God multiplies my seed sown. The blessing of the Lord is upon my job, my finances, and my family. The same faith, the same spirit of faith that David had, that Abraham had, that the apostle Paul had. I have the same spirit of faith. I believe and I speak. I believe and I speak. And I say, the money will come. Well, now, how would you act if you did win the lottery? I said, the money will come. I said, the money will come. Go ahead and laugh about it. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at 
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.